0: Welcome to The Core Podcast, brought to you by core to cloud We talk about all things cybersecurity, about the latest technologies, the insights, the learnings, and also a little bit about our culture in this ever evolving environment. I'm Kelly and I head up the marketing department.
1: And I'm Phil from the technical team. And we're going to take you through all our technology in a really interesting way.
0: Phil talks technical while I keep it lighthearted and remove all the jargon. We also have a selection of guest speakers, including a few people popping in from the Call to Cloud team. So let's delve in. Welcome to another episode. Again, this is another one we are focusing on mental health. I'm joined again by Neil and I've actually dragged in Chris. Anyone who has not met Chris, he sits at Quarter Cloud and looks after all our enterprise customers. Um, Neil, would you like to do a quick introduction to everybody if they haven't picked up another episode or if this is the first episode they're listening to?
1: Absolutely and thanks for having me again. I'm Neil Shaw, Chief De-stressing Officer at the Stress Management Society and the Chief Insights Officer at International Wellbeing Insights. I've Been working in the field of mental health and wellbeing for for 20 years now.
0: Chris, anyone that's not had the pleasure of working with you at Quarter Cloud.
1: Yeah, my name's Chris Downs. I uh, head
2: up the commercial space here at Quarter Cloud and been here now for uh, a good a good 18 months
0: gone quick it's hasn't gone very it. quick. Gone really fast. when you
2: work quarter to quarter though time flies, flies. it
0: does indeed so uh, the reason we are looking into doing these podcasts is that there was an interesting statistic from Gartner that 51% of cybersecurity professionals self-identified as burnt out and 65% of those were considering leaving the industry because of unmanaged workplace stress um we obviously have done previous campaigns of trying to get women in to the industry now we're saying that the stress is so bad that even if we get people into the industry they're going to go so we've got a bit of a massive mix of this we're interviewing all different people of different journeys of this your route into cybersecurity is an interesting one um because you actually started off looking that you were going to go into sport Mm -hmm. um do you want to talk to us a little bit like that about how early life and you know leaving uni and what you thought you were going to do and like like me you didn't think you were going to sit doing cybersecurity?
2: no I was uh I was lucky to be thrust into sport when I was really young I had quite a sporty family um my dad was quite accomplished as a rugby player as was my granddad um I didn't know that yeah so they were part of the academy in Reading which was London Irish at the time um so I got thrust into that quite early and luckily enjoyed it so like the, the sort of team ethos the camaraderie you have mm-hmm. those type of things uh and found out that I was quite good at it I, Got taller and bigger than other people at my age quicker, <laughs> which normally makes a contact sport like that slightly easier. Anyone that
0: can't see Chris is he is a bit of a triangle. We call him a triangle <laughs> in the, <office. laughs> the nicest sense.
2: And always eating as well. <laughs> always um, eating chicken. <laughs> yeah, so um, I was lucky enough to go to university on a on a part scholarship to play rugby for university and at the same time I was playing um, in Bath, mm. uh, and then got offered a contract there when I finished university, uh, and for three seasons. Um, but got injured halfway through the second year. Quite a bad one to my my leg and my knee, which had me out playing proper rugby for about 18 months, so my contract ran out. Uh, and then I went and signed for a couple of clubs in Bristol uh, and over the coming years, but the pay wasn't as great and it kind of seemed that the injury was going to keep me out for a while, so I had to go and get a proper job, as <laughs> as my dad calls it. Um, but my dad finished rugby a little bit earlier as well. He, was, he used to play in the scrum, so it's not really a... A position back in the 70s and 80s where you're quite a fit character so you don't really play as long mm. um, and he always did qualifications in the background around accountancy and he ended up working for Zurich for over 30 years so his, um, his push to me was I will only let you play if you continue education so I went and did my education at Bristol as well as playing and Actually, I got injured playing. Well, I got a slight injury playing for Bristol, mm. which put me into the reserve game at Bath, which is the one that I got injured in. So, uh, for a little while, I had a lot of resentment thinking that I would have been playing professional rugby for 12 to 15 years, earning that it's not fantastic sums of money, but for earning that level of money for doing something you love, love. Yeah. Um, if I hadn't have gone to university and was in that game. But, but I was, you know, you're an 18, 19 year old lad that's kind of a mindset you have. You look back on it now, being thirty two and think, Really, it's a great idea that I went to uni but it was it was one of those things at the time where you're angry at everyone because you can see your dream slipping away mm. and you start maybe pointing fingers and it was I would have never got injured if I wasn't having to play for my yeah. university team to cover my education that you're making me do instead of just focusing on a career in sport. So that was a fun one for a while.
0: How did you navigate that bit?
2: What, the conversations with my dad or
0: conversations with your dad but also you like obviously how did you pick yourself back up and go right i'm gonna have to do something different or did you stay angry a little bit
2: for a while uh i think i was angry for a while because you kind of can't do anything when when you've got a, a break like i did you're you're sidelined for six months without even being really able to to train it's all physio work so there's no okay. there's no outlet you know, you can imagine you train four or five days a week that include physicality and you play at least once a week which includes physicality you are never really even though you're doing a physical and what some people look at as angry sport you're you're constantly having an outlet so the rest of your life is always really calm and chilled because you've got so many hours in each day where you're having a a physical impact to kind of release that energy if you have it i think when you're doing that for so long and so often and without maybe even knowing it that is your outlet for any anger or stress when that's suddenly taken away you're stressed it's taken away and then you're not relieving any other stresses you have in your life so whether it be friendships relationships money whatever you don't have the normal outlet and you're stressed because you don't have that normal outlet and then everything else is still giving you any stress you would normally have so that's quite it's quite a weird one to get your head around and find out what what you need to do to relieve that and what you need to do to also get that um competitive
1: edge back in your life
0: okay anything you'd like to unpack with that neil
1: yeah i'm just relating back to my own experiences i snapped my acl playing football and i think it was in two 2001 <clears throat> and it, exactly as you said like when you know playing sport being fit being active is a huge part of your mental and emotional wellbeing. and you haven't developed alternative tools all of a sudden, it starts to have a knock-on effect on every, every area of your life. It's something that, that, Kelly, we were speaking about earlier, like one good decision leads to other good decisions because when you're training and feeling good about yourself, you tend to eat healthy, you tend to take time to rest and recover, etc. When you're not feeling good about yourself, I remember what happened to me. I got injured. I couldn't exercise, couldn't train. Um, started drinking a lot more, which led to declining diet, putting on weight, not feeling so good about myself, started to feel angry, cynical, bitter. And I think this is the thing is because many of us rely on one asset, one facet of our life or one tool to keep us positive. Um, Yeah, you know, I think more recently, I had an experience. I, I lost my dog six weeks ago. I used to walk 17, 18,000 steps a day. And I found, and you know, it was devastating losing him because so much of my life was wrapped around my routine with my dog. I walk about 10,000 steps a day at the moment. I'm struggling to get myself back to that level of steps because if it's raining or cold outside, I can't get myself to do it. Mm. How did you navigate that? Because for me, it took a lot of time and effort to to force myself off, or to, to find other ways to deal with the things that were wrapped up in physical activity for me. Um,
2: well, I was still at university and I was studying uh, my business degree. Um, and I think through the first year of university, it's always it's kind of like a buy, isn't it? As long as you get 40 points, you're through to the, the next two years and the next two years are, are where you get your degree. And um, so it happened halfway through my, my second year at uni where obviously you need to start working and I, I needed to find a competitive edge. So competitively I couldn't do anything physically at the time because I was out, I was injured, I couldn't compete, I couldn't um I couldn't play rugby, I couldn't go to the gym and do, you know, the the squat and deadlift lifts that we were doing in, in teams to go, oh my body weight is X and I'm lifting more than you, so I'm stronger than you and all that sort of stuff. You know, that sort of fun like competition style you'd have with your team. So um I started putting more attention into my university work and then I got kind of competitive in that area too. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I had to find something. to If I couldn't physically challenge myself, I needed to challenge myself mentally because I needed to have a place where being in a competitive state from a young age, I needed to feel that I was testing myself, if not physically, mentally, and that there was a benchmark that I could see where I was doing against my peers, which at the time, the only other outlet I had was, well, let's put myself into university. And now when we're doing weekly monthly whatever test let's see where the yardstick is and let's get myself to the top of the pack and so, so that's kind of that that was my that was my only thing my only reason i did well is because i put myself i needed i needed a competitive interestingly challenge
0: interestingly though if you hadn't had the injury do you think you would have just skimmed through uni 100 percent. yeah
2: yeah i was there i was there to play sport a and appease and, and tick a box i probably would have walked away with a two-two. And then if it had happened a couple of years later, the, the doors to me that were only open from a 2-1 at university would have not been there.
0: Huh? yeah, okay.
2: So yeah. I would not I would have struggled more to, to get a role like I have now because mm-hmm. the roles that I've done leading up to, to Corda Cloud all require you to have a 2-1 or above at university. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would achieve that if I hadn't have had that time off from rugby.
1: And let me just kind of unpick this a little bit further, because you said that, you, you know, you changed physical competitiveness to academic competitiveness. Mm-hmm. And I think this is very much the world that we live in now is constantly wanting better, wanting to do better, have more, <clears throat> be more. Um, and I, yeah, we were talking about this uh, earlier, the social media obviously is painting this picture of what your life should be like. And that's constantly putting us in a cycle where what we're doing or what we have or what we're achieving isn't good enough. How did that translate for you, you know, obviously where you kind of changed the focus from physical, you know, being put top of the pack physically to trying to try and do that academically? And is there something more we should be looking at? Because from my perspective, actually being able to let go of not to do better or not to be more, but letting go of kind of the, putting that pressure on yourself and beating yourself up because you're not where you want to be. Because you're never going to be there. Does that make sense? No matter when you get to that place you wanted to be, then there's somewhere else to go. And and actually being able to be at peace and being, you know, mindfulness is quite literally being present in the moment with no judgment, which is hard in the world we live in today to be present and happy with what we have right now rather than I'll be happy when I've achieved this or or, or accomplished. We all set on right move. Everyone does. Mm-hmm.
0: We all put the number up a little bit, don't we? start with i'm gonna have a house this size and then push it up a few more zeros and I'm like, oh look at that house and then you screenshot that one like, i think every even we can blame social media but i actually think access to so much even the reviewing of different dogs i can get i'm like oh but this dog's a pre pedigree dog and this one well this one doesn't even shed like like you mm. can put the social media is definitely part of it but i think it's the connectivity of being able to compare everything so like yeah. I, I mean feel like our parents generation if they were like their friend be like oh i bought a house in nottingham you'd be like lovely but now i can google earth your house and i know how big your garden is and i know if you've got like a pool or a trampoline like i feel like that comparative thing is too easy for us now maybe mm. i don't know i don't but want your every, opinion
2: everything's thrown into in if you if you listen or watch any form of sport it's com- you're having comparisons between people that play sport now, people that played in the past. Mm. You know, you're even I'm am I'm am I'm a huge Man United fan and I was listening the other day on a podcast that Ria Ferdinand did comparing um Nemanja Vidic to Virgil van Dijk. Now they're they're two center backs. They played in completely different eras. Didn't even play in 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 the same team. But they're just comparing them. I think being compared is something that always that's crazy,
0: happens. isn't it? Because I have like different lifestyles, family, all sorts. Like to unpack that's a bit unfair,
2: really, isn't it, to be compared. To I think well, I think you're always being, scrutinized. but I, I think I think people always do think they're being scrutinized, and I think that's why you know. So you know, when when I was when I was quite quite poorly, uh, when I walked down the street, I was always thinking people were looking at me going what's wrong with you and criticizing me they probably weren't I've never met these people before in my life but I think you always do I think most people mentally whether it's it's at the front of their mind or the back of their mind will always have a a, a viewpoint that they're being criticized in one area of the life or multiple
0: because our ego right Mm -hmm. so rewind you said that you were sick Mm -hmm. I know that but anyone listening that doesn't know you so you left uni yep went to work or what did you do after uni?
2: Yeah, so I left university and I went to work for a couple of companies in sales roles. Um, and, and you like that because it was competitive, right? I like that because of the competitive yeah. nature, and I also like I like the um, I like the ability for every day not to be the same, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. also to have that experience of going and meeting people and talking to people. I, I think the, the desk life coming from something so physical, the desk life wouldn't have suited me. I like getting out and about and meeting people, okay. um, doing things. But yeah, I think I still think if you're part of a sales team. You're a team, and but there's that's a, still the a team it? But there's a competitive yeah, yeah. edge, um, and I like that competitive edge. And I like the the idea in sales that you get out what you put in. If you work harder than your <laughs> than your um, than the other people in your in your sales team, you'll like to earn more money. And when you play professional sport, if you're a better player and you give more to the team, you'll get paid more money. It's, it's there are similarities that probably were ingrained for me from a young age that I see in this industry that is an industry that I can now be part of because I can't yeah. play sport.
0: Okay, so how, when you got, well, you didn't know you were sick, did you? But at what point was this when this happened?
2: So I was 29, so it was only a month before my 30th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I found out that I had a tumour on my liver, um, which caused my liver to rupture. That caused everything that was in my liver to go out into the body, which mm-hmm. then clotted. I think I had seven or eight clots in total, and they shut down all the rest of my organs. So my heart, liver, kidneys, they all shut down as a result of the liver rupture. And obviously the liver's an organ as well, so that shut down. Um, So I was put in a coma for a month and put onto a machine called ECMO in the Royal Brompton. I think there's only five in the UK, so it's quite a a unique experience to go through. Mm. Um, And then I woke back up in Oxford uh, just over a month later, having actually been fully in the ICU for about three months, i um, weighing close to six stone less than when I went in. Yep, <laughs> um, which was <laughs> which was another uh, as a competitive male that has been at some form or another competing in sport or some form of competing competing sorry uh, with regards to weightlifting in the gym. Coming out at close to six stone lighter um, is a, is another huge thing to.
0: Can I ask another in. question? When you first woke up. Did you, you realise you were close to death? Like, did you wake up like, oh, thank God I'm alive?
2: No, I had no idea.
0: Right. Because, like, whenever I've talked to you about it, you're always like, oh, it was so much light. I was like, did you not wake up going, oh, my God, I'm alive?
2: No, I, so I, I kept on having uh conversation with the doctors where they're like, you're, you're so lucky to be alive, lucky to be alive, and weird conversations where uh, junior doctors or people that have worked on me were asking me to sign waivers to use my story as a case a case study (laughs) Um, and I was like (laughs) yeah sure I had conversations with with my partner at the time uh, about um, seeing me being wheeled into theatre and she was like you literally had 40 people stood around you for anything that could happen when they were doing things to you Um, I had conversations with like my dad came in and first saw me after I woke up from the coma uh, and the Autumn Internationals had been on and he brought me the paper with the results of every game from the Auckland International. So I'd realised I'd missed an entire rugby tournament. And that's when it hit me how long I'd been asleep. Um, I think the first time it hit me how poorly I was is actually when I was allowed to be put on a, on a normal ward. Um, and I, when you go into a hospital in the, in the normal wards, any of the bathrooms um, have full length mirrors in there. Yeah, they do. Because yeah. they're, they're disabled bathrooms with with a purpose that you can, you can shower and clean as well. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I actually saw a reflection of my body. And that's when it hit home, I was like, okay, I was must have been really ill because I don't even recognise what's staring back. And that that was a, I spent a long time in the bathroom then. Mm. That was a difficult one.
0: And how, uh, Neil, mm-hmm. like how, <laughs> I don't even know how to unpack that because there's a, there's a lot of masculine, competitive man, been really sick, got through all that. Um... I mean, I this is not the same, but I even remember after having my children in C section, um, and my husband had to bath me, and I think everyone knows how independent I am. Mm. It ah, oh, it took a lot. They were like, "You won't be able to, you, you won't be able to get in and out." I was like, "Yes, I will." They're like, "No, you've had major surgery. He's going to have to basically carry and put you in," and I just I hated that. Like, and that was for a very short period. But even having him to do all the things for the baby, you know, like the end, because it was quite, my daughter was quite, um, it wasn't the best birth. And so he did a lot of the picking up and all that sort of stuff. So I think even talking about female male roles, I know we've talked about masculinity, femininity. Like for me to be not the one that was picking her up and getting her, and now my husband has to bath me. It was quite a weird shift for me. So how do you, like because in, in, you're the expert on, on the panel, How how would you unpack that and how should people take that on
1: well here's the thing you you know we we, as human beings we actually like to compare Um, and there's that competitiveness and often it's either comparing of of things that 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 you cannot physically compare the example you offered before i think it was it nemanja Vidic and and virgil van Mm dyck right different eras they played in a different world the game was completely different you can't compare the two it would be like comparing i don't know bobby charlton with bobby robson like it's not possible to compare now in the same way you would look in your you'd look at yourself in the mirror after you've just had a major health challenge right and you're comparing yourself against how you used to be pre that incident in the same way i could compare myself Three months post breaking my AC snapping my ACL to before. I had a, an injury a little bit further down the line where I broke my back. Thankfully, it, it, it healed. But when it happens, and when you first have that experience, you don't know if you're ever gonna walk again, and you're you know, like going through that emotional turmoil and also then like looking at physically, you are not the same person, but you're comparing yourself against a very different person. And I think it's more getting comfortable with where I am right now. And as human beings, we naturally like to compare against either someone else or something else or even a previous version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it, it, Kelly, I think that you, you've you kind of highlighted this. There's something happened, I'm a different person now. This is the reality of this moment as it is. Yet we don't live in a world where it's comfortable just to be happy with what we have, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The people I've learned most from are the ones that have had life-altering experiences and actually not got to the point where I'm making peace with this or I'm comfortable with this. They're actually grateful for it. Um, It was, uh, I think it was Prince Harry. I don't know if we can still call him Prince Harry, but... Harry, Artists formerly known as Harry, whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. But when, when, when Harry basically took um, a lot of the, the soldiers that lost limbs in Afghanistan and Iraq up to the North Pole and then I think he took them to the top of Mount Everest, so I can't remember the exact details. And I remember reading an inter- uh, some, some interviews with them and they got to the point they were grateful to have those injuries because they went on to do things that they would never have done mm-hmm. if they were quote-unquote able-bodied yeah. mm-hmm. paralympians i think we have, we have channel four ran the campaign for the paralympics when it was in london the olympics are finished and they said now comes the real superheroes because it was they were great because they had to overcome adversity to achieve greatness yet the world we live in doesn't necessarily celebrate people that have had mm-hmm. to overcome serious adversity to be able to accomplish the, the, their goals and i think this is where you know Kelly, the reflection you had, you know, of you being in the bath, having to be bathed by your husband when you're a strong, independent woman, for me post, you know, breaking my back in mm. Iceland, wondering how I'm going to get home if I'll ever be able to walk again, you looking at yourself in the mirror. Those are the moments of greatness. If we learn how to navigate that and think, okay, this is where I am right now. Where do I want to be? Maybe it's not going to be the same as where it was before, but it's, it's okay for me to accept this moment and still aspire to do better. But how I can achieve even more greatness as a result of the experience I've just had, and actually then get to a point where you can be grateful for that. Now, Chris, I guess I've the never question thought about I'm
0: it like that. I was, I was just thinking, yeah. I've never thought about that. Like I went into a spiral after, which I've been quite open about with Evie. But if I now look where I am now, like the independent thing, I've probably even more defined that mm. and, and owned that, and realized that was such an important part of my identity. And I feel you've done the same, Chris, in the sense that. Because you, you were told medically a few things, weren't you? Like, I'm not going to put words into your mouth, but they didn't think you were going to get back 100%. No,
2: they said they, they said that it would take at least two years to um, get back to any form of fitness. I needed to learn to walk again, use my hands again, speak again. I was back in the gym the following April. I came out 10 days before Christmas, and that following April, April the 12th, when the gyms reopened in, uh, after lockdown, I was back in the gym.
0: But you could have gone the other way.
2: Yeah. But I, but I, but, I, but again, I, I think taking Neil's point of comparing, comparing myself to where I was before whether that is viewed as a healthy thing to do or an unhealthy thing to do, for me, I was determined that I was going to come back better. Um, and one of the driving factors um, was people's viewpoint of me. Mm. When I started going back to the gym or when I started going back out into public from April the 12th when, when everything opened up after COVID, I was continually thinking that people were going to think, oh, he's, a, he's had a bad COVID, look how bad he's gone. And, uh-huh. and my, my, because I, like, I didn't, there was, I, I didn't allow family or friends or anyone to post anything about what was going on with me on social media because I didn't want all these people that know nothing about you coming out of the woodwork and judging you why you are poorly or making comments. It's, it, if you're not in my inner circle, it's not your right to know what I was going through. You um, got some
0: strong boundaries. Just saying that. Yeah. Do you have some strong but,
2: boundaries. I mean, to give, to give you an understanding, I, I, I was, I was a hundred and. Six hundred seven kilos before I went in, so I was a big guy for for a six foot guy. Uh m- One of my best friends told a couple of people at the gym, and their first reaction was, oh, is, is, "Has he been taking steroids?" Oh, and stuff? Right, yeah, okay. and I'm like, oh, "Do you know what? If 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 people automatically try and pick flaws in your character to justify why you're poorly, why let everyone know?" Mm. And the, I, and I've also seen people that I know in in
0: was that your concern because of your liver going? You thought people were going to go ah oh, no? The I just
2: think that every everyone everyone always looks to to, yeah. to cast their own opinion, and at the time their own opinion was going to be cast on why is he poorly, or why is he doing this or why is he doing that for it? And I'm like yeah. it's not it's not it's not your yeah. it's not your concern. So I like to I like to keep it um exclusive to the people that were going to be around me, and then if people ask, they can ask i i recently did a released a video with with my trainer who's been with me for 18 months since i've been going back to the gym and the amount of people that reached out to me after was going i didn't know that was because i didn't want you to know mm. and and the good thing and the, but for me that was also validation that i'm obviously back to where i was before mm-hmm. because no one knows and you did it on your own back you and didn't i did it on my own back yeah, but but whether it be whether it be a a a a a positive thing or a negative thing, comparing myself to where I was before and being determined that my competition was myself
1: was what got me back.
0: I guess it's how people use those moments now, right?
1: No, absolutely. And I was just going to say that there's no right or wrong. You know, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't compare or what's positive, what's negative. We all need to find a way that works for us. But I think for me, the most important question is, do you feel today, Chris, that you are a better person as a result of having that experience?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I have more... I think I have more understanding and compassion for people about what they want to do in their private life and their private time. Mm-hmm. I think um I think when I used to play rugby it was all rugby or nothing. So rugby came first, everything else came second. I think there are times now that work will come first. But because I'm driven and I think that's why where I am today at Corda Cloud in comparison to to, to wherever else is. Um however I have compassion for people that want to do more things with their family that have their personal goals and really do say work is nine to five. I never used to understand that before because my idea is if I have the time, I'll work the hours that are given to me and I'll excel. But I now have understanding why people are not like that. Why people don't have the competitive and drive because their drive is to do things personally. Their drive is to do things with their family. I don't have a family at the moment. Um, (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's gonna shift i can see when the babies come <laughs> that's gonna shift if
2: i do then there, then there may be a shift but i think before ha- before this happened i was always minded of you should be trying to do whatever you do to the best of your, your ability and then everything else then falls into place and now i understand why people are like no a job for me is just a job life family and what i do outside work is where i where is where i drive to have the best time experience i guess it's
0: what their motivation is right yeah. If they're competitive, like some person might wake up every day and be like, I'm going to be, I don't know, the best mum ever possible. Whatever they've decided that is, because that's a whole different conversation. <coughs> but whatever your motivation is, that that's their driver. Yeah. And I think sometimes we all, we all have different drivers. But I think once you accept what your driver is, I think I had a really big battle and probably why I had so many problems after Evie is I really struggled that when she came that she wasn't my biggest driver.
1: Hmm.
0: She is. I don't realise that she is. But I couldn't understand, like, why did I want to go back to work? Because she is my biggest motivation. But I couldn't understand why I wanted to be somewhere else. Like, why did I still need work? Why did I? And when I finally accepted it and went to Dan and said, "Um, this isn't enough, like, being at home isn't enough for me, that's why I'm in a bad place. It was like Steve said earlier, like when he shaved his hair, this like weight came off him for me to actually go up to him and say, I know I always thought I was going to be the stay-at-home mum and that was going to be brilliant actually. It isn't. I don't know. If it's an acceptance thing, Neil, I don't know what it is, but like... (coughs)
1: And I think it, 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 there's a point here, which is that even when challenging moments happen, that we can find gratitude for them in the same way that, that Kelly, when you went through that experience, I'm sure now that you're grateful for having those moments because it's helped you to get to where you are now. And, and it, I,
0: cherish, I cherish the moments with my children now where I was getting resentful. Like, I was like, I'm with them all day. That would be, that, I would say that a lot. And I'd be like, I've had them all day and I'd leave. Where now I'm like, no, 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 you go out. I'll have them. Like, let me have them. But that's quality over quantity, though, isn't Yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're but, having less
2: time with them, but it's more quality because yeah, you're, you're there I, in the moment. I felt and you're so it.
0: guilty for it. I used to feel so guilty of it, like, well what's wrong with me? Like I should I should want to be here twenty four seven. Like because I had friends that had babies at exactly the same time that loved that. Mm. And I would be sat in these conversations going, Come on though, like you, you would like
2: to be back at work and they're like, No. But we I, I do feel and I don't know whether it's just this day and age or whether it's maybe a british thing compared to other areas i do feel people like like you and i get judged quite poorly in that respect by people that don't understand
0: what to work all the time yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so
2: so so some my my partner's family and again they might be very very happy in their lifestyle they've they've never been driven in in a work related capacity and when they listen and hear to what we do at corda cloud some of the things that i do with with our our ceo and some of the events we do and the time we put in and, and what we're working towards they cannot understand it and because they can't understand it their first port of call is to criticize mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they criticize why are you uh, away at an event today <laughs> and why are you working from x in the morning to x at night and why, why are you are working you on the weekend Barbara back at 11 <laughs> yeah and why are you on the phone to your ceo or your cmo or your CTO yeah. at 11 o'clock at night they criticize they because they don't understand yeah and 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 I think that being poorly has allowed me to not criticise what I don't understand mm-hmm. and and have a greater, and then in, in the flip side, have a greater understanding of why I am the way I am. But I think beforehand, <clears throat> I didn't have a great understanding of why I am the way I am. I had no understanding of why people weren't like me. Uh, and I think that's the biggest flip side. But it, it, I mean, just... Just because I have an understanding of why people are the way they are or are not like you and I, Kelly, doesn't mean it doesn't annoy me. Of course of <laughs> course. Of course <laughs> why when we're <coughs> sat round around, around, a, around a, a dinner table and, and the comments are coming out going, You work too much or, oh, yeah. or you no, know, or you know, if you come around for dinner at eight o'clock and you take a work school, you're not present, and things like that. It's like I, I understand I understand why you say that, but but the the the, the big the, the thing that I I got told, I got told it by my by my granddad not too long before he passed away he said knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. He said wisdom is knowing that it doesn't go in a fruit salad. Oh, and the no. thing that re- That's deep from that, Dad. <laughs> And the and the thing that <laughs> the, and the thing that I always think about that is when when people that have or think they have knowledge because of maybe their age mm. or maybe some of their experiences a bit like what we just com- said about Virgil van dyck and and, and, and having experiences but in completely different eras. I think when they claim they have wisdom in that I, I even though I have an understanding, I still think I, I don't have much of an acceptance for it. I think it still does wind me up.
0: <laughs> I, I love the diary of the CEO and um they, they talked about uh, some topics of this of stuff like where you get annoyed by people and how not to do that. And like the empathy thing is such a big piece of it, isn't it? Because if you can work out where they're coming from, you don't have to accept it. Mm-hmm. But if you can have an understanding, so like I here, uh, my nan kind of got into a bit of a battle because she got annoyed that I paid for childcare and wasn't looking after the kids. And I asked her opinion that and she gave that and stuff. And you know, I gave up my job and I did this and, da, 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 da. and I was like, it sounds like a lot of resentment that you're putting on my plate. Um, and I said, but do you not think that me paying someone that wants that as a career, it's first aid trained, the people that cook for my children are nutritionally trained. Um, he's around other children he's meeting different religions like my daughter has opened to so many different religions that I never had because mm-hmm. I, I grew up in my bubble which you know um, do you think that's better or worse and it opened a huge can of worms but it's trying to like understand where they're coming from what they had available she grew up in the war my nan so yeah. that was the thing that you did you ate from the land You. I think there's some great things that she has to say we shouldn't be going to the supermarket and we should have to if you want to eat a chicken you should be able to kill a chicken like I think she's got some good points but it's having empathy of their their worlds or their. Do you think Neil? Like,
1: well, Kelly, I just want to track back to a conversation we had earlier. Was, you know, when I mentioned I, I stopped drinking alcohol a couple of years ago, and there was a lot of people that had a problem with that, and it wasn't because of my choices. It's how my choices made them uncomfortable. Mm. And in, in in a similar kind of way, obviously, your choices around childcare maybe make your grand uncomfortable because she grew up in a different world where. She couldn't relate to that. So it's easier for her to get you to come to her way of thinking than for her to change her thought processes yeah. to adapt to the way you're thinking. In the same way that you've expressed, Chris, with some of the experiences you're having, you had to really be strong in your perspectives and your view and your belief in what's right, because the world is going to gonna try and program you to come around to their way of thinking to make them feel less uncomfortable. And I think this is a challenge. It's that <clears throat> If you are not committed and strong in your views and beliefs, the world will try and get you to, to adapt, not for your benefit, just so it's easier for everyone else not to feel uncomfortable being around you. And I've been through a few experiences in, in the course of my life where I've made decisions like, when I went vegan, my brother actually stopped inviting me around for barbecues because it's like, you make me feel uncomfortable. And it's like, well, it's my choice, right? I'll bring my own food if you want me to, but my choice made him feel uncomfortable. Again, when I stopped drinking alcohol, there were people that didn't want to be around me. I was doing this because I recognized these are things that are good for me, mm-hmm. that I need to do this for my own physical, mental and emotional well being. And if you're single-minded enough, and I think one of the things you talked about is being competitive with yourself. I want to be the best version or a better version of myself. I'm holding myself to a high standard, which means that the choices and commitments I make, I'm more likely to stick to them as opposed to if I'm comparing myself to others, if that makes sense. And I think this comes back to having had a few sort of similar experiences. I'm sure Kelly can relate to this as well. Have you arrived at a point now where you recognize the value of the experience you've had, how even to dare I say that you've got to the point where you're grateful for having that experience because of what you've learned about yourself as a result of going through that.
2: Uh, I mean, I I wish there was an easier way to learn that experience than than what I went through. Um, But yeah, I I think I take the positives out of it. I I mean, I, I think my biggest worry is that what is ever going to be enough because if, if I'm always, I think me and Kelly have got this for, if I'm always wanting the next thing and the next thing the next thing, will the, the achievement that I have ever, you know, ever be fully enjoyed? I think, uh, I mean, I, I, one of the big things I spoke to um, with my trainer was after the first year of training, he said, Chris, if you take your physique now and where you are now physically, if I offered to do this a year ago when you came to hospital, you'd have take, bit my arm off. mm mm-hmm my reaction after a year of doing a check-in with him was nothing like that. So Mm. because maybe I had overachieved in that year, my actual accomplishment was diminished. So am I so competitive and so driven that I'm not even celebrating the wins?
1: There's an important point there, the I'll be happy when. Mm. Mm -hmm. We live in a world of I'll be happy when I get married, Get the right job, get the promotion, yeah. have the kids, retire, You know, win the lottery, get the new car, have the house in, 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 in the home counties with a big garden and chickens. But if you're waiting for something to happen to be happy, you're never going to get there because mm. the goalposts will always get moved. When you've got the dream car, where, you know, I aspire to have a Tesla from the moment that they announced the, 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 the car was <laughs> yeah, and I was the first one to put a deposit down and and now it's been sat in my driveway and it was great for the first few months. I still love it. Don't get me wrong. But now I'm already thinking, what next? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I've got oh, literally yeah. my dream car that's been on my vision yeah, board for yeah. like six years. It's yeah. now in the driveway and I'm already thinking, what next? I had certain goals around fitness and I wanted to do an Ironman. I did it. and Now it's like, what next? It's getting to the point where we get happy and comfortable now. I don't need anything else to be happy. That doesn't stop the competitiveness. I want to do better but I don't need to do better to be happy. And I, what are your thoughts around that, Chris? Because when we got that mindset shift, we can still be on that path of progression, but not seeking progression for life satisfaction or happiness.
2: I think for, for me, the biggest challenge doing that will be separated from personal and, and, and professional life. Because if I am, let's say, for example, halfway through the year and I'm nicely ahead of target, but I've not done my target for the year. If I then accept where I am and be happy about it am I gonna then start pulling off the gas and then giving myself an opportunity to not hit yearly target and if I then do hit yearly target and turn around and go ah, oh, great great year do I if I celebrate and accept it too much do I then pull back and not do as well the following year and I think in, in I think that's that's a thing in sales that it's um you sometimes get people that get a good deal in or do a good quarter and they celebrate it too much and then suddenly they're playing catch up in the second half of the year. So I think I I identify I really have to do that in my personal life. Do you know how I see it differently though?
0: In the sense that if you were like, I'm so grateful that I hit that quarter, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure I achieve the next one and do it as well, if not better, or to be kinder to those, whatever. Then I'm definitely going to achieve it. I I think it's your competitive brain makes you go. Oh, well, if I'm not working ten times hard, but if you went, thank you so much for this quarter. I'm so lucky for this. I'm so happy of this. But I'm going to get it next year, next one. But how am I going to do it better? Yeah, than it's, I did it's, last time. It's trying, it's trying to. It's how to, to shift your mind. Oh yeah, mindset, it's ta- it? it's taken. Yeah, I mean, it's taken me loads yeah. to not become because you can come become because you could, you can imagine yeah, from,
2: yeah. Uh, from 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 my competitive nature comes from a very young age of, of sport mm-hmm. you can imagine when you play at a high level you win a game you go in the change rooms you celebrate and then the final words of, the, of your manager or coach's speech is fantastic we go again next week that's yeah, it
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. you reset you, you, go. you go
2: out for a few beers with the boys because it, it's it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's the team ethos when you're playing rugby but, but the final part of that of that of that conversation is always we go again next week
0: but you do analyse the game right
2: Analyze the game. Yeah, so if you yeah, did,
0: you go back. So what I'm saying is, <coughs> maybe you analyze the quarter, call it gratitude, however you want to. You analyze the quarter and go, God, if I slightly move that slightly to the left or slightly to the right, I could have got like a 10 more
2: or a 12 oh, yeah. more. I have to get someone like uh, like Otter to follow me around and video me, and then I can review the day footage. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just it's just <laughs> I think it was it, game it's, it's interesting,
0: isn't it? Because like you wouldn't, you've, you've you've missed out the fact that you had analyzed it and then reset. You've just yeah, gone. Yeah. We went again. You did go again, but you had a coach that, like, would have gone, well, actually, Chris, if you'd gone harder, or I don't know what the technical words are, I'm not going to tell I no rugby, but, like, you know, if you got to sprint a little bit faster or if you got your speed down or if you, or, you know, speed faster and you cut some weight, I'm sure they came up with new training programs yeah, for that yeah, 12 weeks. I'm just saying if you took the competitive edge of you and were like, right, that was a great quarter, I'm really grateful for the win, how am I going to win again, but how am I going to win better. better?
2: Yeah, yeah. No? I-
0: oh, I could go into sales coaching new avenue for me (laughs) i don't know yeah i i yeah i've had to i found it hard because i've found that i'm achieving everything i've ever wanted but then i still sit there and want more so it's happening it's it's very i'm getting trying to get uncomfortable in the uncomfortable of just sitting that's a new thing for me because i'm always after the next thing and it's quite a i'm used to that i'm not used to sitting
1: yeah and I, i think here's the thing is Exactly. You said it's, so, you know, it's hard to separate one aspect of your life from another. It's like to be at peace in your personal life, but still remain competitive in your, in, in, in your, in your professional life. And I think how can we have motivation uh, and inspiration that's not based on what we've achieved? And I think this is this is this is mm-hmm. the hard thing is, it's, it's, you know, whether you're in the dressing room and you've won the game or lost the game, whether you're in a quarter where you hit target, or you haven't. That doesn't impact effort levels. That doesn't impact commitment. Um, because there will be moments which are tough and challenging. And I think the, the, the biggest lesson I've taken away from my life experience and also speaking to other people that have had sort of significant challenges is tough times don't last. Tough people do. And I think, Chris, your story is testament to that. The, the, it didn't break you. Could have. Mm-hmm. And you could have spiralled out and turned to drugs, alcohol, whatever, or choose this to be a re- reason or an excuse to 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 not get your life back on track and to to to, to be down on yourself but actually you know the, the test of human character is that you face real challenges and you're able to use them as fuel there's a native american phrase i think it's, it's dakota or lakota i can't remember um there are two wolves the wolf that makes you strong the wolf that makes you weak which wolf will you feed every time something happens good or bad you get to decide which wolf to feed and it very much sounds like you've been feeding the wolf that makes you strong chris mm. and and, and and I think if there is someone listening right now that is going through a tough time, what would you say to them? Or if you could go back to yourself when you've just woken up in the hospital, you're in the bathroom, you're looking at yourself in the mirror. Uh, there's a shadow of the version of yourself that you recognised previous to the injury. To, 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 sorry, to the health scare. What advice would you give them?
2: I think you you have to be honest with the people around you. Otherwise, they can't properly support you. Mm-hmm. um so I had i i had to open so I had a lot of support from from my partner um because obviously I went back to living with her um in our house but 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 she pretty much was my nurse for the for the following month um so a bit like Kelly I, she had to you know clean me help me help me up help me to bed help me to go to the bathroom all this sort of stuff um and I don't think if 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 you're honest about what's going on and you speak to people, if you don't do that, then they're never going to fully understand why things frustrate you or why you're trying to be the way you are. I had to tell her that as much as I appreciate her help, sometimes I need to try and do things on my own or or I'm going to want to try to do things and she can be there or, or be there in the background because otherwise for me, it's, it's hugely emasculating. you mm-hmm. haven't been helped out of a chair, been helped up the stairs, been helped to go to the bathroom, been helped to clean not only in, in, a, in a body that's a shell of you, but also not being able to do things that, you know, you feel like you should be able to do. It, it's emasculating. So I had to kind of sit down, have that conversation about how I'm feeling and the, the way I need her to support me so she could better do what she was wanting to do for her to feel happy and safe while looking after me. If you just sit there in a shell, you become resentful that you're allowing people to see you and help you in this way because you're proud they have no idea why you're being so negative to their support and they're feeling down as if they're not doing something properly for you when all they're trying to do is help you because they love you. Um, Mm. I think people that suffer in silence will will always, will always suffer more. It's the initial conversation is as close to embarrassing as it can be to, to admit, to admit to the woman that you love that you feel emasculated and 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 how sad you feel about the position you're in, and that you you know how much you're relying on them and need their help. But without that sad hour of having that conversation, the negative side effects of not having that could go on for weeks and months. So the moment you can gain the courage to 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 unveil that that weakness to to really lay yourself bare to that person and say, this is where I'm at. This is what I need from you. I I think um, I think you can you can move on better.
1: There's an important point there that, you know, particularly for men, vulnerability, opening up, expressing your fears, concerns, challenges, weaknesses was often viewed as a sign of weakness. They're not strong enough. They can't cope. I don't agree with that. I think it's the strong amongst us that can express our vulnerabilities. I think vulnerability isn't a weakness; it's a strength. In fact, it's a superpower because actually, it it takes a very brave person to put their hand up and say, "You know what? I'm actually struggling here, Mm -hmm. um, and I need help." And I think we really need to reframe this so people get better at asking help long before it gets too late. Because there are many people, particularly men, that get to a point where it's too much and which is why we've got to the point where sadly mental health is such a big issue with men, particularly in, in, in the IT sector. Uh, suicidality or suicide is the main cause of death for a man under age of 45, because we just don't pick it up till it's too late. If we just made it easier for people to ask for help and seek out support and, and, and not to feel emasculated, you know, as as you so rightly said, for doing so. But actually, to, to, to be commended and, 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 and recognised for, 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 for being strong enough to ask for help. I think that's where we really need to get to.
0: I think that's a good way to end it, In as I think we could go on forever, because Chris has been very <laughs> open. And I also have to shoot. You have to meeting. shoot as well for a meeting, but... Thank the, you, Neil. The fact that, really yeah, yeah the vulnerability okay. piece, you, but also, Chris, thank you for allowing us to hear your story.
1: Pleasure. Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you, Neil.
1: Excellent. Thanks, Kelly. Sweet. I'll speak to you soon. Bye, bye, bye. Take care. Bye, bye.